Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And by the way, don't forget our website, graceandtruth.net. I hope you're having a great day, but if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today we're going to take a little look at a, a play on words to reevaluate and reconsider the faithfulness of our God. Here we go. Nothing, absolutely nothing, is impossible with God. There was a dead child, a dead marriage, a dead husband, and a dead testimony. Could anything be more desperate? She had been a temptress, and he a wretched lech. The consequences of their sin went on to wreak violation and violence for years and nearly destroyed the kingdom. But though it is easy to use David's affair with Bathsheba to exhort upon sin, we will instead take a look at the sometimes overlooked aspect of it, the re-ability of our God. By this I mean the power to redeem, reconcile, that's reconcile, restore, reestablish, reappear, and reward. And I'll rehearse this tragedy, as well as two other stories from Scripture to make my point. First, we'll jump back in time to find a miserable, scared, no, freaked out young man cowering in a dark pit, screaming vainly for help. To his brothers, Joseph was a jerk. They were uncontrollably jealous of his cozy, highly preferential relationship with Jacob, their father. You know the story, probably. They first thought to kill him, but then sold him instead into slavery. Afterward, with hearts of stone, they convinced their dad that Joe was laid out by a lion, torn to shreds. Now, either they hated their father as much as they did Joseph, or they had no idea how this news would devastate him. And it did. The deception brought far more suffering to Jacob than servitude did to Joseph. Later, Judah would confess that any more bad news like this would simply kill his dad. A dead son, a treacherous and wayward brood of children, then came terrible famine, and not even a wife to console him. Could things get any worse for Jacob? Yes. You remember, he seemingly lost another son to the dungeons of Egypt and feared even greater retribution from Pharaoh's ruthless governor for the apparent theft of grain. Considering that he could also very well lose his youngest boy Benjamin to this angry ruler, and scanning the horizon of his life, he cried, All these things are against me. Indeed, it was a sad report. Now, let's consider King David. You recall how he ceased from fighting with his army and was found wandering idly on his lofty rooftop. There he espied an attractive lady bathing in clear view, Bathsheba. We understand from the grammar used in the story She was not an unwilling woman. However, as we have already mentioned, the end result of this was a a litany of destroyed lives. 
David took his faithful servant Uriah's wife and had him murdered. Consequently, God took the resultant baby home to paradise. Could it get any worse for David? Yes. Although he forgave David, the Lord sent a judgment upon his household. The king experienced incestuous rape of his own daughter, the murder of his son Amnon, the treachery and death of his son Absalom, the utter animosity of his dearest counselor Ahithophel, the rape of his concubines before all Israel, and civil war. Next, flash forward to the scene of a stoning. Here, an angelic disciple died honorably, while an angry, obsessed man looked on, kicking against the pricks of conviction in his own heart. This latter man, Saul, Saul of Tarsus, continued with a crazed persecution of every Christian he could find, searching them out and imprisoning them. His misguided zealotry destroyed the lives of many, many people, all whose crimes consisted only of loving Jesus Christ. Then he was graciously and miraculously converted to the faith he tempted to crush. It was natural for him to think he was the perfect man to reach his countrymen with the gospel. After all, he had been the disciple of Gamaliel, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a well-known part of the religious club of his day. But likely for this very reason, he was all the more bitterly hated by the Jews as a traitor. They beat him, stoned him, and plotted to kill him. The very people for whom he loved enough to sacrifice his own soul, if it were possible, wanted to damn his soul with hateful vengeance. Could it get any worse? Yes. Primarily incited by the Jews, Paul endured imprisonment, scourging, starvation, the loss of friends, freedom, and loved ones. Well, patriarchs in peril, a king in compromise, an apostle in persecution, all of them came to places of trying discouragement and defeat, or so it would seem. These weren't simply trivial inconveniences or minor setbacks. They were far beyond all human ability to deal with, to control, or to change for the better. And that's exactly what God took advantage of, what he used. This is where he displayed, with a grandeur that awes us as the saved, his reability. Contrary to Jacob's expectation, his beloved son, Joseph, was alive. And contrary to the brothers' fears, Joseph not only reconciled with them, but saved them from their own distress. The angry, ruthless governor was, in fact, an angel of mercy and God's instrument to redeem the young nation. It had been God's plan all along. Bathsheba, she lost her baby, but went on to have two other sons by David, both of whom were important to God's plan. Solomon became the next king, the wisest, wealthiest man to live on the planet, an author of two books of scripture and a part of the messianic line. Nathan, his brother, was also a part of the messianic line. You see, the legal 
or royal line flowed through Solomon and his descendants, but was broken several generations later by the Lord's curse upon Jeconiah. You can see Jeremiah chapter 22 for that. Joseph, the adoptive dad of Jesus, was from that line, as recorded in Matthew chapter 1. The bloodline, so to speak, however, came through Mary, who, wouldn't you know it, was a descendant of Bathsheba's boy, Nathan, as recorded in Luke chapter 3. The Messianic line was ultimately restored or reestablished through the very woman, Bathsheba, who participated in the sin that nearly destroyed it. Paul, Paul was tenaciously set upon saving the Jews. In this, he failed miserably, but in this he was also redirected. The persecution God permitted in his life was a complementary force that propelled Paul to reach the Gentiles. As a result, the Gentile nations were reconciled to God through Christ and even now await his reappearing and reward. Again, all a part of God's divine plan. God's reability is illustrated in these examples, but is by no means constrained to them. Every one of you has either been brought to times of insufficiency, or you will be. It's there that your own abilities, or lack thereof, are revealed to be exactly that. Next to nil, you look around at what's going down, and you find yourself going down with it. Whether it's been done to you, or you've done it to someone else, you may someday wonder what possible good could ever come from the mess you're in. You may even scoff at the scripture that says, all things work together for good to them that believe. You may seem to have no hope, no light left in your torch, no grand purpose in life. Well, reconsider just who your God is. Renew your mind, your thoughts toward him. Refrain from doubt and despair. Repeat the first works of your faith. Retrace the steps you walked with Christ when you walked in peaceful trust. These are your responses to him, your, your reability, so to speak. Now, you may not witness the end of God's plan and how he finally brings the good he has promised to bring, at least in this life. Jacob and the boys, David and Bathsheba, Paul, they all saw part of the plan and were undoubtedly greatly encouraged by God's graciousness, but they didn't see the fullness of it in their lifetimes. But that's why it's so important that you hold on and keep running the race. You see, what I call heavenly-mindedness includes a non-myopic view of the Lord's work. It often stretches beyond the horizon even beyond the imagination. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But God is absolutely faithful and will indeed bring the good he has planned, the repentance, the reconciliation, the restoration, the revival, the resurrection, the reunion, and then the reward. Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and faith to continue to trust Him. Look for our next podcast, and may you realize more of His grace today.